Welcome to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell, where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture, team development, and the future of the safety industry. If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions, head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Welcome everyone. This is another episode of the True Safety Podcast. I'm your host, Apollonia Rockwell, and I have already been talking our hosts um, head off before we started airing, but today I have powerhouse Rachel Walla. Rachel, hey, how are you I'm this good, morning? I'm good, and I'm excited to talk to you again. I was like really looking forward to this this morning when I was getting ready for work. I was thinking, this is going to be a fun conversation and it's just nice to, I think, have that sort of free-flowing conversation with another girl in the industry. You know, we don't get a lot of opportunities for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. I feel the same way. I think that this is something that um, listeners, we were talking uh, about offline was the common theme. It's been just interviewing gals in the industry and just how interesting that the common theme, whether um, it would it's oil and gas, construction industry, whatever it is, there just seems to be this common theme of safety professionals or just professionals mentioning that they feel like they did not have a say until they were overqualified for the role, that it wasn't until I had my bachelor's, it wasn't until I, you know, I had 10 years experience that I felt like I could, you know, kind of make demands or just have my opinion heard. Um, and I know that that's something that we talked about in episode one, but I'll back up really quick, guys. So again, we have Rachel Walla in the house, powerhouse, um, female badass, and she is the owner, the founder of Ally Safety and, well... There's so much. There's so much here today. But Rachel, I mean, some of the things that we were talking about in the first episode was your story, how you got into this industry. And I mean, just tell us, like, where where are you at right now? What are you super passionate about? What's been on your oh, mind? Oh, man, this month? it's so busy right now. Um, it's like spring conference season, which they kind of go in seasons. Yeah. For oh, me. my God. I don't know if you yeah. find that as well. But yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm speaking at conferences a lot. And then also we're working on some really cool videos, which we've last year was so busy. It was just exhausting, super long work hours every week. I worked pretty much every weekend. Uh, it, it was just like crazy. But now I actually have a little bit more time to prepare and really work on these videos. So next week, I'm going to be speaking at the Grain and Feed Conference in Spokane, Washington, which I'm excited about. And then uh, we're also working on an excavation and trenching full-length training video and a chainsaw PPE testing video, which will be pretty interesting because, you know, whenever I test PPE, uh, it destroys it. Like we, we test it to the limits. Love it. And um, I'm like, is there a chainsaw that's like a little bit lighter weight around here? Because I'll be going back home uh, to film on an actual logging site. And all we have is like real logger chainsaws. And I'm like, these things are so <laughs> heavy for me. Uh, so it's like I'll get a workout in we're while we're filming. That alone sounds so interesting, so fun. And that actually reminds me that, so if you haven't already, guys, check out Rachel's videos, check out her website, her YouTube. I mean, you have over 
a million views. I mean, that's probably shortcutting it, but over a million views on all of your platforms and all your videos. And, you know, I would love to talk about the business side of things. That's something that we just didn't have time in the last episode to get to. But can you just tell the listeners a little bit about Ally Safety? Uh, tell us about the brand itself and uh, what it is that you guys do yeah. exactly. So it's been an evolution. I think things kind of take on a life of their own sometimes, and it doesn't always look like you think it will in the beginning. But I started this a couple years ago, probably like 2017 or so, and we've been through several names just because it's really hard to find uh, like a, a website where you can get a cheap name. You know, most of the good ones yeah, you have to yes. pay like five grand for. And I don't have yes. that kind of startup money. So I went through a couple and landed on Ally Safety. And it was super exciting to me to find that we could use this name because I wanted it to be your ally in workplace safety. I really wanted it to be a partnership between businesses, employees, and myself and have that sort of feel like we are on the same team. I'm supporting you to make your workday easier and yeah. to also get work done for the business owners. Like we want to make this a cohesive, collaborative process. And so at first I was yeah. doing a lot of consulting and I was traveling around a lot. So I was doing consulting online pretty frequently. Um, I was doing it on Upwork okay. before Yellowbird was a thing, really. So, oh, yeah. Okay. okay. So it was kind of like. So that's how it started. You were doing these projects. Yeah. Safety, pro like, um, Give, give the listeners an example, like HSC manual creation, like custom a, policies. A and lot like of that. custom policies. And then I would write training for like LMS systems and stuff like that. And then also yes. I kept some yes. clients okay. that I had had long term, you know, people who I had done industrial hygiene work or safety consulting for in the past. And then I always mm -hmm. wanted to do safety videos. Uh, and it's like this thing I'm super excited yes. about. And I always have been. And I would tell people like, I want to do safety videos. I want to make this really cool. And you tell people that and they're kind of like, okay. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yes. Yeah. Like I could see that being questioned like, okay, what's the purpose? What's the ROI? Blah, blah, blah. All the questions, all the details, but you were just determined, Hey, I want to do video. So like, what was the initial thought? So the brand started, you're doing the, these consulting projects, you're building up your clientele, getting some brand awareness, building relationships. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, I have this video idea. So how did the video start? I have a million questions about yeah, this. So I mean, video, as somebody who has no education in putting together videos and, you know, I have no background in that. I learned from YouTube, <laughs> but yeah. I just wanted to try Same it. And so that. five years ago, uh, Instagram actually reminded me today that five years ago, I posted my first safety video and it was one that was done in a friend's oh. garage. It was a glove safety video. It. it was funny. There was like a hold my beer moment and then somebody's fingers get sawed off, you know, and, <laughs> and he's like, grab the duct tape. You know, it was corny, but it was a first attempt. And uh, that one's not up on YouTube or anywhere. It's kind of like in the archives of embarrassing moments at this point, because <laughs> looking back on it, you'll be to post it. You'll need to post this sometime because people think that brands, I truly, I feel like some people are out there. They think brands are made overnight. <laughs> 
somebody could look at somebody like you who has massive success and think, oh my gosh, it was easy for her. She just had, you know, she was able to start up some videos and it was really easy, but I could imagine that that was not the case, that it took so much trial and error, like any startup business to get the, you know, the videos or to get anything up and going. Right. Uh, could you talk to us about the challenges? So you started these videos and yeah, so it was more, it's you learning. It was more like, okay, I'm going to try this and try that and see what works. And I didn't, there's no clear path to making this career work to be very honest with you. Um, and so yeah. it's it's not yeah. like, oh, I'm going to make a video in my garage and everybody's going to love it. And then I'm going to be YouTube famous. Like that's not the way it works. <laughs> um, and so it was a lot of like trial and error of trying to figure out what would work if I could sell it, that sort of stuff. And I wasn't great at making videos. And I thought I was a good writer. And I will be honest with you, I really wasn't. Um, I've, I've had to learn how to be more succinct and clear back information that's not necessary. So after that first video, I think I waited like three years before making another one. Anyway, oh gosh, I just like feel your, <laughs> yes. When we started filming, like just simple like promo videos or, you know, promoting a class, promoting a seminar, I will be honest with you. I was just so nervous, so nervous. I hate, hated, still hate, like looking at myself, like on video, hearing my voice. Oh, yeah. I would just take myself apart. And then the um, sort of like the producer that we were working with was just like, Apollonia, like just, you know, it's whatever. And I'm like, no, I look terrible. I hate it. So how did you get over that? Or is it something that you never get over? Just like the self-scrutiny, I guess, sometimes? I think you get used to yourself. It's, I mean, like, I'm not mm. sitting there uh, berating myself. But if I look at the first few videos I did, and kind of when I got back into videos, I really wanted to make toolbox talk short learning videos. So I made a series yeah, of 12 yeah. of those and they sort of stalled for several years because the company that I partnered with, um, uh, well, I didn't really partner with them. It was all out of my pocket, but they were going to like put them on their learning platform and they had access to a lot of bigger clients that I didn't have at the time. Um, my office is on the steel where the sensor, if I don't move, <laughs> I need to make movements. I'll be doing that. But okay. So they, they put your videos on their LMS. They had a large audience at the time. Yeah. So that was the plan. So out of pocket, I made a couple of trial videos to see if we could do this. And then it just stalled for like two years and they were really busy. Their company was growing really fast. And frankly, it wasn't a priority for them, although it was for me. So no hard feelings sure. there, but it was just maybe not the right partnership. So going back to your question, what happened was, you know, all of this is basically me. I don't have editors. I don't have a film crew. I'm filming myself. I'm doing the lighting. I'm figuring out how to do sound. And this is as a safety professional who has no background in it. And a short video takes forever to film. 
I mean, video is very, very work in, and labor intensive. And so you're going to be seeing yourself on camera, especially if you're doing your own editing for hours and hours and hours and hearing your own voice for hours and hours and hours. And everybody hates the sound of their own voice and myself included. It's very difficult okay. to listen to your own voice. Um, but it's interesting to see if you look back at the old videos, like the evolution of what looks good on me, what looks good on camera. Um, how to present to the camera. I mean, you really see that skills change. And I think for all of us girls, especially, it's it's hard. It's hard to put yourself out there. And I mean, like, especially in the days of Instagram pretty and stuff like that, where girls are like, you see these girls on social media who are like, very, very perfect looking all the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's not reality. And we're used to seeing only people on TV who are very, very attractive. And when you are yeah. just like an average safety professional putting yourself out there, you're like, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta get a new wardrobe. I gotta, I gotta stand up straight. I got, I gotta, I gotta get a new hairdo. This is not working. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. Looking at my first videos and just still now I'm like, Oh, mm. just don't let me look at it. It's, it's so tough. But so the video, so trial and error, you start building up these short toolbox talks. And then where does it go from there? First of all, what was, what was the feedback that you received from the toolbox talks? Because I could imagine that your existing clients were really excited to have more of you and more of your products. And so were these just really helping your clients? You're just providing solutions for them so that you were just getting great feedback at the time. Um, I mean, that would be awesome, but no, <laughs> I love it. Guys, Rachel keeps it real for anyone trying to build a brand and build a business. Rachel's keeping it real. Well, I wanted to be have my videos be kind of on the edge of what's business appropriate and what's not like, okay. which is I okay. know that's a risky move. But part of the reason these videos, safety videos tend to suck is they're just very boring. And if you want to be funny, sometimes yes. you got to skirt that edge a little bit. You know, yes, so yes, yes. The yes, first couple yes. ones I did, I got good feedback on. They liked them. There was like a few things that they wanted to change. But the thing was, is I think I was not confident in what I was doing. And I was asking this other company to pair with me because I didn't think I could do it on my own. Okay. And so yeah. they were like, yeah, we like them. We think they're good. Um, and then it would just stall. Over and over and over for like two years, it would just stall like, oh, we'll be ready to launch at this point and that point. And, you know, they needed a little bit more work here and there. So it was one of those things where I'm spending more time on it and not making money. And I'm still doing my other stuff full time. Like this was a, a side project. It wasn't anything that was making me money. So like it's a full time hustle. Wow. Yeah. So two years into that and I just had to like look at myself and say, OK, this isn't going anywhere. Do you want to make this happen or not? And I really did. And there's no path to making it work. And I had had like a really tough two years personally and some some like very, very difficult events in my life in general. So I had been a little bit distracted and I was at this point where I was like, no, it's it's time to make a go of this if I'm going to do mm -hmm. it. And so I was like, OK, I, I eventually had to shut down 
that. I had to have a conversation with that company and be like, hey, I understand your priorities are different than mine. And I respect that, but I've got to take this and run with it. Yeah. So yeah. it was like, okay, uh, no asking other people. It's all on you now. Yeah. And yeah. that was big. But that's when I started going on YouTube and I started changing my website and building up my brand to be like, hey, we can do safety videos. Because at that point, I had learned enough to know that I could. I just needed some opportunities to prove myself. And YouTube for mm -hmm. me was the opportunity. Okay. Okay. So then you start uploading these on YouTube. They start out as the toolbox talks and then they go into the more full length videos, more awareness level, longer videos, or how, what is the evolution of your content? Well, okay. So imagine like two and a, like, I would say one and a half to two years of just creating YouTube videos. And I'm not kidding you it would take me a ton of time. Like when I look back on those two years, it's so much desk time, like scripting a video, filming it, editing it, getting up a YouTube video every week, you know? And I was very oh, committed. Yeah. Like you have to really commit to YouTube to gain any traction. It's a yeah, ton of yeah. work. And so yes. I started gaining some traction. Um, I started getting some people into my videos. I had a few early on in COVID that did well, that gave me a little bit of a boost. Um, and then I had people coming to me and asking like, how can we use these videos? Do you sell these videos? How do you do this? Um, and so they wanted to use them in their training and I really wanted to do full length videos. So out of the people okay. that contacted me, I partnered with a few and I was like, okay, I'm going to do some full length videos. I'm going to try to sell them on my website and stuff. And we'll see where that goes. And I, I had enough of a following at that point. I thought it would do well. And, uh, Basically, last year, all of last year, I made full length videos and it was all out of pocket. <laughs> we do though. not have funding. Oh. We do not have anything. So that was a huge, huge risk. Um, and now we have 21 full length training topics. Not all of them are available on my website yet because, you know, we're we're finishing them up, but they're available through other channels. And it's okay. been really great to see the feedback and it's been great to see it come to fruition. But I would just tell anybody else who's interested in the same thing. It's not a clear path uh, and it is a huge investment of time and money. Um, so you really have to be very passionate about it. Yes. Yes. I, you're speaking my language. A lot of people don't know in 2019 did uh filmed our own videos too and it was yeah 2019 and we filmed around gosh we started like 10 10 courses at a time and i can relate in the terms of studying a script getting in front of a teleprompter for hours and hours and hours. I don't know. Maybe it didn't take you this long. I'm not sure if it was just me because I couldn't. It just took me forever to get these classes out, but to film it, to produce it. I mean, it sucked the life out of me because oh, it was, I didn't I'm understand. Just, I'm so glad <laughs> yeah. you said that. Cause I'm like oh here on God. the other side of things, just like, whew, that was a lot. That was a lot was of work. Yeah. yeah. To do like a 30 minute class. I don't know. We, I don't even remember because it's such PTSD of how <laughs> many pages it was per like five minutes. So it was like, I don't know, 30 pages of script, 
mm-hmm. per, I don't even know. I was like, why, why? And it just was emotionally exhausting. I, th- I remember the second round of filming. It took, um, I got like, really sick before. Oh. I think I made myself sick because I was so nervous to be in front of a camera. Yes. But, um, but I like how you said that there was just no clear path that there isn't someone to tell us like this is how these are the do's and don'ts it's just all trial and error but so tell us a little about a bit about what you're doing today and the solutions that you provide to to companies and what is who who are your dream clients and how do you serve them best? Well, I think um, so. What I'm doing now is I still do some consulting and industrial hygiene work. I think it's important to keep your boots on the ground. And honestly, like I I like my work. It just doesn't have enough creativity for me. So the the videos are a nice addition. The vast majority yes. of my time is spent on videos. So we do full length training videos and toolbox talks that can be licensed through several partners, including Ving. And uh, it's it's really awesome and a lot of work, but it's been great. I think my ideal client is pretty much everybody who wears a blue collar, to be honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I love being able to talk to people to like work out what their frustrations are with safety, what they need to see in training to make it interesting to them. Um, yeah. I like to talk to groups. I'm I'm actually doing quite a bit of public speaking now as well, which I really like because it's nice to interact. It's nice to get that immediate feedback, which you don't get in videos. Like, you know, you can't see when people are zoning out and then make it interesting again in a video. You just have to yeah. keep it interesting when you're in front of a crowd. So I I yeah. like that. I think that it's all about it's all about your audience. And mm-hmm. it's like if you are serving your audience, then you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. I completely, I completely agree. And I think that training is such a, I mean, that's a whole world in itself. I think you talked a lot, a lot of things. Uh, how do you adjust to your crowd? How do you adjust to your audience? How do you make it relevant? How do you make this fun and exciting? And I think that's the biggest challenge that our industry faces, right? Is boring training period. And how do we combat that? How do we make sure that students are leaving with actual tools, just knowledge that can actually protect themselves um, and their coworkers on the job that could potentially save save someone's life? And so, training is obviously one of your major passions. It's something mm-hmm. that you you know I could tell just in your demeanor. You light up when you talk about training. What what do you think the future is of training? And how do we, how do we battle the stigma of boring safety training? Well, honestly, I think the future is probably going to be virtual reality training. I think so too. Oh, we're speaking the same language. I think so too. Because it's just so immersive and you get a completely different experience out of it. And I just see like, imagine doing a confined space virtual reality training where you can walk through what you would do if there's some sort of an atmospheric hazard, like a gas leak or something, and you have to evacuate and deal with maybe an employee who is uh, unconscious, you know, those types of events you can get so much of a clearer idea through virtual reality. But I also think the school of YouTube (laughs) is going to be important too, because so many more people are self-taught because of the availability of information. 
And so one thing that frustrates me a little bit with safety as not like an industry, but just how we do safety is that, you know, if you have enough money as a company to hire a full-time safety pro, Mm -hmm. uh, you can get more safety training and stuff like that. But if you're not that company that has that learning the OSHA regs and training your employees and stuff is such a burden. It's not really feasible for small businesses. And I'm like, why is safety knowledge only available to those who can pay for it? And I think some OSHA state groups like Oregon OSHA, Washington OSHA do a really good job of outreach. But Mm -hmm. um, I think doing outreach, you know, just for the sake of making sure that information is available, regardless of your employer's budget, is a valuable Mm -hmm. thing. Oh my gosh. I have never thought about it like that. The way that you just worded it and, and laid that out was why is safety, why is safety a priority or feasible to those that, you know, have stronger budgets and maybe a startup company and how does that affect the employees directly? And, and you're right. And I do agree with you that most of us are embracing YouTube now more than ever and that we're self-taught a lot of the times as I think as field, I've, I've seen it both ways from the perspective of the field guys and girls where they're wanting to be self-taught and they Apollonia, like, what are all the safety certifications I could get or safety knowledge that I could get, you know, free online, but then also on the safety professional side too, where there's safety professionals that are wanting to strengthen their resume or they're just just our general knowledge. And so, you know what, I, I didn't even think about, um, going here, but this is all, it's all coming to me right now is what are your thoughts? I've always felt like there's not a lot of resources for safety professionals. Mm -hmm. And I know that over these last years, I feel like my LinkedIn has been more full with, um, you know, people getting their bachelor's in occupational health and safety like that, that that's becoming more popular and that there are more safety management classes out there than there had been maybe the last 10 years. But yeah. I feel like overall, there's not a lot. Kind of like you're saying that there's not, it's not like a clear path sometimes for safety professionals. So what are your thoughts right. about that? I think that that is an interesting avenue. And it's, to me, um, my channel is supported by a lot of safety professionals because they're out there looking for knowledge, whether they came up yeah. through the university system or they're, they came up through the trades, whatever it is, they need that sort of information we need to share. And safety professionals are actually great about sharing information and helping each other out. Yeah, I think that's yeah. one of the huge benefits of our profession. Yeah. But um, what I see more and more is it's really difficult if you come from the university background to go into safety and really get a sense of what the day-to-day job is like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so with YouTube, we're doing a good job of, you know, I've interviewed a ton of safety professionals on my YouTube, and I think that's going well. But I also think we need to talk about what the day-to-day life is like from the perspective of the people actually doing the work. Yes. Because, you know, yes. like the trades, they need to be profiled more, given more respect. And then also we need to understand their challenges. Uh, Mike Rowe did an excellent job of that and dirty jobs, of course, but (laughs) there's more to it. Huge fan, huge fan of the show. Um, 
holy smokes. I think that if you're a safety professional listening and you don't align with what Rachel just missed, just <laughs> rattled off there about understanding the day-to-day challenges that these men and women go through, what, what it is actually like working on the front lines, the physical challenges, the emotional challenges. I think that those two things need to be understood as best as possible in order for us to do our jobs the right way. And I feel like when our heart is for the worker and when we're really just, we have the lens of I'm here to support, I'm here to help in any way possible. I want to make sure that, you know, you make it home safely to your family. I think that all of that involves, um, a little extra work maybe on our behalf on what it's maybe taking a day out in the field with the field guys, like from start to finish, like from 4am to finish, not, you know, maybe not just like our normal work day, but to really go out there and see it. I'm sure you've I'm sure you've seen some crazy, some crazy stuff, but I know that you are on a badass in yourself because I know you, <laughs> you run heavy equipment and I know, you know, I've all the things that you've like actually done and experienced yourself do you feel like that's still um, something that a lot of safety professionals don't have a grasp on? Um, that's a challenge in our industry. I, th- I think it is, and I think w- one thing that frustrates me and makes me a little bit sad is uh, a lot of the stuff that I see people in the trays posting on social media uh, is very indicative of what they're thinking. And they feel um, as though people don't respect them, don't appreciate the work that they do. And that anybody with a degree is sort of held above people in the trades. And I I feel like, okay, uh, that's one sad (laughs) and, you know, not really fair. So I think so much of, you know, what we do in safety, we can communicate in a way that is respectful of people's roles and appreciates what they do. But a lot of safety professionals are kind of brought up through the ranks without really ever getting the soft skills training that help pave that road. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I agree with you. I think that that was my biggest, um, turn off in the industry when I first started on this, in the safety side of things was, Oh my goodness. I don't like my peers in the safety industry. <laughs> like I will be so honest. When I first started, I was like, That's safety funny. people suck. They <laughs> suck. They are mean. They are safety cops. They think that they're above everybody and everything. And I would just sit back like a sponge, like I do now, but probably even more so when I first started. And I just, I would just read the room and read the guys and girls in the room and how they reacted during safety meetings, how they engaged or didn't engage in safety meetings. What were the conversations before they got there and after they got there? And so seeing it all from the field side before being the person in front of the room, I think really helped me out understand what not to do or what to avoid. And when there's just such a gap between field and op, the field and the safety team or the safety committee, whatever, I think the first step is maybe just um, getting out in the field and kind of d- d- diving in on the guys and girls' stories and what it's like yeah. for them in the life. So, 
Yeah, you articulated that well. And I think you're 100% right. And your ability to read the room and observe how those dynamics were going is probably key for anybody in this industry. Yeah. So it's, it's super important. And I see so many really well-intentioned people who are coming out of the university system and ready to be in their job and they want to make a difference and they want to do something positive. And so I think the more guidance that we can provide on the best way to approach it from a soft skills standpoint will really help. Absolutely. What would be some final advice as we wrap up um, to maybe somebody that is just graduating and they're super, you know, they're excited to make a difference at a company. They're really excited to start their safety professional career or even just the safety professional that's listening. And Mm -hmm. they are, they're wanting to take their training to the next level. And they're like, Rachel, you're the pro. You're the, (laughs) you're the girl. You're fantastic at training, (laughs) making it fun and engaging like what's some advice that we could take to make, um, to help put our training to the next level, bring it to the next level. I would say the number one thing is to know your audience. And it's kind of along the same lines of what you and I were just talking about, about not having that difference of I'm in safety, you're in this industry. Um, and we are different because we are not, (laughs) we all have the same goals at the end of the day. And that is to get work done, Yeah, (laughs) you know, to be employed, to do work safely. And when I first started working, I was kind of shocked to go into an environment where people were defined by if they were hourly, which was blue collar mostly, or salary, which was more white collar. And I was like, this is really weird because aren't we the same team? Yeah. So when you need to do a training and you need to know your audience, go to lunch with the guys, spend some time with them on breaks, get to know them. Like most of us, we interact with the people that we work with all the time and we just need to know how they think, how they communicate Mm -hmm. and what their pain points are here. Mm -hmm. So we can help smooth that road and make training really applicable in the real world. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, Rachel, that is the best advice to close this show out is to dive deep into what our team members, what our coworkers, what our clients are thinking how do they communicate and what are their pain points? Like that is beautifully said. It's incredibly impactful. And it's, it's advice that people can take away today. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show for the second time. You provided so much value to everyone listening. Hey, value to me so much. So thank you so, so much for being here. And again, guys, we are going to link all of Rachel's Um, her YouTube show, her Instagram, her social media connects, and you can connect with her directly if you're interested. And please check out her YouTube uh, channel because it's it's interesting, it's fun, it's entertaining, and it's educational. So you are doing an incredible job, Rachel. And yeah, just thank you for, and we're going to stay connected. And I hope that we can chat again soon. Yeah, I hope so. It's so nice to talk to you and it's always a fun, easy conversation. So thank you so much for having me back. Awesome. All right, listeners. Well, we'll talk next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program 
and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode. 